Hello everyone, and welcome to the Desert Sun Podcast, with me, your host, Tim Newman. I'm also the author of the blog, White Sun of the Desert, which can be found at www.desertsun.co.uk. Thank you for joining me. So firstly, I'd like to thank everybody for the feedback for my first podcast. The sound quality is never going to be studio quality, I'm afraid. I had a lot of good advice about putting duvets on the walls and pulling the curtains and doing it a room with lots of soft furnishings like sofas. I just don't have any of that. I'm in a modern apartment with hard floors, bare walls. There isn't really much scope for furnishing it in a way that'll improve the sound quality. I reckon I've got a good microphone. I've got a boom now and I've put some kind of shield around the microphone. So I'm hoping that this will make it at least listenable, but it isn't going to get any better than this and I'm just not in the mood to spend a whole load of money. So thanks for the feedback. I've done what I can and let's hope that this is good enough. Okay, this week I've decided I'm going to talk about just management really and management styles and what I've learned from it and what I've seen. Similar to what I do on the blog, um, usually the post that Barden jumps in on and tells everybody how much better he is than I am and how I'm an imbecile. Uh, I don't know if he'll listen to this. If he does, well, he can leave some comments on the blog as usual. But uh, that's what I'm going to talk about and uh, I'll see how we go. So hopefully you'll enjoy it. Okay, here we go. When I was about 25, I was first put in charge of a project. I was working for a consultancy in Warrington. And I was spent about a year in the nuclear part of it, the bits dealing with nuclear power stations and that kind of thing. And I worked out on the other side of the room, there was an oil and gas department, which seemed to have a lot more money than my department did. So I managed to transfer to them. And after about a month or two, a project came in that looked like it was a bit of a mess. There was just pallets of paper. It was, ironically, it was to do with the project in Nigeria. And all this work came in, all this paper needed reviewing. And most of the discipline engineers didn't really want to do it. So I volunteered because it looked a lot more like coordination than discipline engineering work. I'm a lot better at that. So I volunteered and my boss at the time, he needed somebody to take the lead on it. So he allowed me to do it. Now I got stuck in. I was, uh, I thought I was a project manager. I was actually more of a project engineer coordinating people, but at 25 years old, I thought I was the project engine, uh, project manager and I was in charge. And I was given a small team of engineers to, to manage. And I was pretty decisive, and I still am. And I wasn't afraid to make decisions. I had a, a few mates in the military at the time, and this topic had come up. That if you're in the middle of a road and someone starts shooting at you, you dive to the left or you dive to the right. You dive for cover, basically. Now, one way might be better than the other, but standing around in the road thinking about it isn't a very good option. What you need to do is make a decision and go. And if that you're not in the best position, then you crawl to a better one. But standing in the middle of the road will just get you killed. And taking that into a business context, I've always understood, mainly because I've seen it demonstrated so many times, that any decision is better than no decision. Indecision will kill an organization or a project very quickly. So if you don't have the experience or knowledge to hand to make a decision, well, make one anyway. And if it's wrong, you'll figure out it's wrong and you can go back and change it. So I, I didn't really know how to deal with this pile of paper we had, and nor did anybody. So I started off by asking people, you know, what do we do? What's your, what do you think? And nobody really said anything. So I just started making decisions. And 
I took the lead on it, as I thought I was supposed to. And I suppose, in hindsight, given my age and experience and everything, I probably came across as a bit of a dick at times. Because yeah, I was being very decisive. I was very, you know, chuffed. I was in charge of something for the first time. Which probably explains what happened next. I was holding a meeting about something. And it was... A subject came up that we had been subject to quite a bit of indecision and bickering for the couple of weeks before. And... I decided, right, this is what we're going to do. And I said to the Assemble team, we're going to do this. Now, there was a guy on the team called Richard. And he was this old school engineer, probably in his late 50s. He was from Bolton. And he reminded me a lot of Fred Dibner. He looked like him and spoke like him as well. He's one of these guys who thought that unless he'd spent three years in an iron foundry outside of Bolton somewhere, you had no business calling yourself an engineer. He was very sceptical, especially of young people who'd, everything was on computers and, you know, no, you, you don't work with your hands anymore. You can't possibly understand. He's one of these kind of guys. Now, he's a nice guy and he was good at his job. I'm just describing you what it, who he was, what he was like. Anyway, I'm in this meeting and I say, right, we're going to do this. And suddenly this richer guy just explodes. He just looks at me and says, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And I just stared back at him. I didn't really know what to do. And said, okay, yeah, you're probably right. But And he just went, you haven't got a fucking clue. He said, you're not squep. I said, what the hell is squep? Suitably qualified, experienced person, and you're not. You're in here telling us what to do. And he just went on at me for about a minute like that. And I was absolutely stunned. I'd, I'd been spoken to like this on building sites and things, but never in an environment where people wore, wore shirts and ties. That had not happened before. And everybody could hear this. There were maybe five or six other people sat around the table. They were just stunned as I am. And this guy was bright red in the face, shouting at me. I just didn't know what to do. I kind of tried to answer him and he was absolutely irate. So I just went, okay, I'm shutting down the meeting this meeting's over. I, I, okay, it's, we're done. And I stood up. And I remember going outside the meeting room. I put my things on my desk. Everybody was staring at me because everyone heard this outside the conference room. And I just went for a walk. I walked out to the car park. I think it was in autumn. It was quite cold. I was there in just a jumper. And I walked around the car park, walked around a couple of the adjoining buildings, just wondering what the heck had just happened, calmed myself down. And just thought, whatever happens, I wasn't screaming and shouting and swearing. So there's not really much they can do to me. But I need to, I need to go in and, and fix this. So I went back in and my boss saw me and he immediately hauled me into one of the side offices and just said, right, what was all that about? So I explained what happened. And he said, okay. He said, I thought that's what happened. He said, well, I've, I've just got Richard in here and given him a bollocking because he can't speak to you like that. There's no excuse for that. But... He did say that he'd think that you've been lording it up a bit. And I've been watching you and you might have a point. Now, I know that you're keen. I know you're enthusiastic. You're trying to get things done. But just dial it down a notch. He said, you're working, you know, you're working with some guys here who've got a lot of experience. They're a lot older than you. You've just got to be a bit aware of how you come across to them. He said, you're doing a good job. So don't change anything. Just be careful around people like Richard. And... To my credit, I accepted this. Now, I was very indignant. Inside, I was thinking, wait a minute, I'm in charge. He can't speak to me like this. He has to do as I say. But I did kind of understand that, okay, the guy had a... Yeah, okay, I can see. I can kind of see where he's coming from. And it never occurred to me to 
insist that you know something was done or you know probably nowadays if you spoke to somebody like this hr would be involved but that never occurred to me i mean i was trusted my boss enough that he would sort it out and he did and to be fair to richard he immediately came over he apologized he said look i shouldn't have gone off on you like that and i've got some problems at home and i'm a bit highly strung at the moment i don't know if that was true or not but i accepted it look the guy was a good engineer and he was helping me a lot on this project and like i said i did kind of understand where he was coming from so i learned from that and i kind of wound my neck in a bit which probably needed needed to happen and then a year or two later i was in dubai and a kind of similar incident happened with a different guy but much less it was i was i'd have been about 27 then i was sending some emails to some guys up in kuwait and yeah in hindsight they came across a bit pompous and somebody called me up and said oi wind your neck in and now uh, that was a bit less clear-cut than the incident with Richard, and this guy up in Q8 was being a bit of a fanny. But again, it made me stop and think, and I realised you have to approach people, you're, even if they're kind of reporting to you, you have to approach them in a far more reasonable manner than perhaps I'd been doing. Then, when I was 29, so another couple of years later, I went to Sakhalin, where I was the general manager of a company and had proper staff underneath me, And I probably made a couple more errors like that, but again, much, much more minor. Few run-ins with people because I'd got off on the wrong foot and maybe said something. You know, this was immaturity. Looking back, it was all this can be explained by immaturity. This is kind of the point of what I'll get to later. So when I went to Nigeria a few years later, when I was 33, I arrived as a project engineer, which meant I was put in a team of around 10 people. And one of them was an old school engineer, a Scottish bloke, who I'll call Fred. That wasn't his name, but I'm going to call him that. Now, within a day or two, he was sussing me out because it was clear he was unimpressed with some of what he saw was going on around him. Now, I got on okay with everybody in the in the team. We had a good boss. We had a very good boss at the time, so that made it easier. But after two weeks, I was called in and they made me engineering manager, which meant that basically the guys who I'd come to see as my colleagues were now going to be my subordinates. And I thought that would be a bit difficult, particularly with regards to Fred. Now... It wasn't really difficult to become engineering manager back then. I had two arms, two legs, and was still breathing. The barriers to promotion weren't that high back in the early days. The subsidiary was new, and a lot of the positions were unfilled when I arrived. So, no, there's nothing too impressive about that, although it was quite a good position to be engineering manager. So, this Fred guy reminded me quite a bit of Richard, and that he was, he'd been around a lot. He knew an awful lot about brownfield engineering. He was a piping engineer loads of experience and it was clear that he didn't take shit from anybody so I thought well, I'm gonna have to be careful how I talk to this guy I can't just come in with the big I am and you do this you do that because he was probably he was in his early 50s I think he's just not gonna take it whereas the Nigerians you know you could be a little bit more decisive and a little bit more forceful but then you had to be polite in other ways you know you couldn't really swear at them like you could the Scottish guys so what happened was I used to call Fred into my office and you know talk to him and ask him you know how we do things and I'd let him speak in meetings in a way that would stop me doing something wrong if I didn't know what I was doing and bear in mind I was an engineering manager who came from a project engineering background I didn't know each discipline and there'll be people listening to this who'll go oh you should know every discipline before you can be a manager which is rubbish because if you're a discipline engineer and you become a manager half the time they end up trying to do that discipline rather than managing I'm not a very good engineer I'm a better manager 
So I had an appreciation for each of the disciplines, but I'd prefer to let my discipline engineers get on with the details of the technical stuff and I just coordinate and clear the path in front of them. So I'd be in a meeting and I'd have to make a decision and give some direction. And I'd say, okay, fellas, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do that. And I'd watch Fred and he'd look at me sideways and go, so why are you going to do it like that? And I'd say, I don't know. I said, what would you suggest? Have you got a better idea? And he'd say, yep, we should do it like this, this and this. And I'd say, is that how it's normally done? Well, that's how it's done everywhere I've worked. And I'd say, okay, fellas, we have a new approach. We're going to do it like that. And okay, that may have made me look a bit weak or unknowledgeable, but I didn't mind that. I'm not supposed to know absolutely everything. I said to everybody, this is, I'm, I'm learning as I go here. But more importantly, it got me on a pretty good footing with Fred. And after that, I started to use him quite a lot. And when I was faced with quite a, a something I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to approach, I'd call him in and go, hey, when you, when you worked in this other place or in your experience, how have you approached this? What order is this normally done in? Would you normally do this first or that first? And he'd say, well, normally you do it like this. And I'd say, well, does that work? Yeah, that works. This is how it's done normally in the industry. And I'd say, okay, right, that's how I'm going to draw up my plan. So... The, the thing is, it wasn't just a question of keeping the peace. You have somebody like that on your team, you need to use them. But the way to get the best out of them, you have to show them some modicum of respect. I obviously didn't do that properly with Richard back when I was 27. Fortunately, I'd been exposed on a small project, which didn't really matter, in the ways of managing people. And I'd made the mistakes which taught me how to do it properly when it mattered. And the important thing is that I was given that position when I was young. Now, the problem in big companies is management only comes with seniority. If you were to plot a line with age against managerial seniority for a large company, it would be a straight line at a certain angle, probably quite a shallow angle in really big companies. Basically, I used to joke about this, that when you're 30, you get your promotion, 35, you get another one, 40, you get another, and you can tell where someone's going to be when they're 50, because on their birthday, someone will come in and give them a manager's job. The problem with organisations like that, they're so micromanaged that there's no small managerial roles. In one of the companies I worked for, without any exaggeration, I worked out that any decision that was even vaguely large or important really had to come from the CEO. And this was a huge organisation. This was an oil company. And you look at, I looked at my boss and his boss and his boss and up through this huge plethora of middle managers and you realize none of them can actually make a decision none of them can actually manage it was all this kind of monitoring role none of them were actually making decisions so the problem is that there's no scope for somebody young to be given exposure to management in big companies it just doesn't happen so the problem that causes is that a lot of the time a manager's promoted to a position when he's 45 years old and that's the first time he's ever done a management job. And quite often he's put in charge of something important. Rather than coming up through the ranks of management where he's given a small job to start with that get progressively important as he goes on and he learns as he goes, he's doing kind of nothing and just being an admin boy or just doing what he's told day after day for 25 years. And suddenly he's handed a whole project and he's never done it before. There's a good example of this. I worked with a guy a couple of years ago who was very, very, very bright and he was 
clearly capable. He was ambitious. He had lots of energy. He was a good organiser. And he was pinged as a high flyer. And he still is. I mean, he will be a high flyer. And he was promoted into a position that on paper and for his career was really, really good. But he was basically a bag carrier for some divisional manager. And from what I could work out, his role seemed to be around the 20th of every month, he'd email everybody and tell them to hurry up and get their timesheets in. This is the kind of stuff he was doing. Now, somebody like that should be exposed to proper management. He should have a team of people. He should be given responsibility and accountability and told to deliver something and see how he gets on. Instead, he's playing admin boy for some senior manager. And sure enough, in 10 years' time, he's going to be that senior manager and he's never going to have done this before. And what happens is that, yeah, they, they've got no experience to draw on when they need to actually deliver something in a proper managerial environment. But there's something, there's something worse than that, though. These guys, when they suddenly hit their first management position at 45, haven't learned the lessons that I did when I was in my 20s. They turn up in a team and they expect everyone to listen and obey because they're in charge. That's how they think it works. They think, well, I'm in charge now, so I'm just going to speak to everybody how I like. And they're all going to do exactly what they're told and I'm not going to get any pushback. Which is when I learnt with Richard, it doesn't work like that. You've got to talk to people a bit differently. And these kind of managers don't realise they're talking to people in their 40s. Now, it's different if you're 45, you're a manager, and you've got a 20-year-old or a graduate or an intern or even a 28-year-old. But if you're 45 and you've got two or three 40-year-olds in your team who've got 15, 20 years' experience, you have to talk to them differently. And these guys don't realise that. They'll turn up in a position, never having managed anybody before, and start talking to people as if they're children. And I reckon there's a reason they do this. A lot of these guys at that age have children, and their only experience of actually managing people are their kids. So they go home and they start ordering their kids around and the kids look up to them and when daddy says jump, the kids do it. And they've got no other experience other than this. So they turn up in a work environment, having never managed anybody, got given a management position, they walk in and the only thing they know how to do is start talking to people as if they're children. It's bizarre, but it's very, very common. And I've noticed this. And I, start, I started looking at what these guys' family arrangements were. And do they have kids and what their history was? And quite often you find that that's all they know. And the problem that any organisation which promotes people like this also fosters a culture whereby nobody can admit they're wrong or they don't know something. The manager simply has to be the cleverest guy in the room. And I don't know if they actually believe this. I don't think so, because a lot of what I see... This behaviour comes from real lack of self-confidence. So they start to overcompensate. They start to double down because they think that anybody who says they're wrong, you know, that's really an attack on their position and their competence. Rather than how it should be, it's just a frank discussion between professionals. I mean, everybody, you know, can be wrong at some point or, you know, you can listen to other ideas. But these kind of managers don't do this. And in a previous job, I'd held a position for three years. So... I had a fairly good idea what I was doing. I knew what the process was. And there was a big change around and I got a new manager. And the first task that came into our department landed on my desk. And I was asked to do something by the internal client. And I went back and said, this is how, how it should be done if you want it done technically correctly. And this guy said, 
oh, no, no, we should be able to do it much quicker than that. And I said, well, if you do it like that, you're not getting the right answer. I might as well just roll a dice and give you the answer. So, of course, he's gone straight to my new boss. And my new boss called me in, and he'd never done this job before. He was completely new to the department. And I said, look, this is how we need to approach this. I've been in this position for three years. And he completely cut me off mid-sentence and just said, no, 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 you have to do it like this. This is No, there's no reason why we can't do it like this. And I said, look, this is completely wrong. This is demonstrably wrong. But he was doing this because it made him look better in front of the internal client. And the fact that I was 40 years old, the fact that I had 15, 16 years experience in the industry, the fact that I'd been doing this job for three years didn't matter at all. He was basically talking to me as if I was some child. And you could see he'd never been in a management position before. He'd never been 25 years old and had somebody like this Richard guy dress him down in front of everybody and made him feel very small. And it's too late to do that. They have no idea how to deal with conflict or even mild opposition. And you say anything back and they treat this as an assault on their authority. And all of a sudden there's bad blood and you're, they start talking to other people about how you're difficult. They're trying to get rid of you. And the thing is, it's important that a company's future managers are exposed to responsibility early on in small, unimportant jobs. As I was, in order to give them that experience of dealing with people, I remember what I used to do when I was in Nigeria. If I'd go on holiday, I'd hand over to one of my young Nigerian guys. In fact, they probably weren't even that young, but they, they'd not done management stuff before. And I'd say, for the next week, just manage the department as I would. I don't need to tell you anything. You've seen how I've done it. Just do whatever you want. And I remember I did it with one guy. And I came back, and I knew this would happen. He'd had a problem with Fred. And he said, oh, I spoke to him, and he said he wasn't going to do this, and he wasn't going to do that, and I, I, I can't do this. You need to do something about him. And I said, well, I don't. This is management. I said, you know what he's like. I know what he's like. You need to find a way of managing him. He's good at his job. As a manager, your job is to get the best out of them and get them performing. And you have to put aside a lot of your own personal issues in order to do that. And that's management. And I find a lot of managers these days, and in fact, it was quite funny reading the comments on my blog recently, where there were one or two people who seemed to think that as soon as anybody's a bit awkward, I will fire them, we'll get rid of them. And as I made my point in that post, you have to work with the people you've got. And if that person's good, but they might be a bit awkward, and they're being awkward because you've spoken to them wrongly, the problem isn't the employee, it's you. And the manager's not always right. And of course, the manager has the authority, but authority doesn't really count for that much in these situations. You need them to be working for you in a, in a, in a reasonable way, not just ordering them around as if they're kids. And that's the problem. A lot of them think the job is just to turn up and give orders and everyone will obey as if you're in the army or something. So in conclusion to this podcast, I think a lot of bad management comes from people being given the position too late in life with no experience believing that age and authority alone is enough, and it isn't. So what i do if ever I was in charge of managing people again is you give them, everybody, very small management tasks where they're accountable, they need to deal with people, they need to get something done, and just see how they go with it and let them learn. But it's better to do that with 20, 21, 22-year-olds. The problem, though, is in big organisations, there's simply no scope to do that which is probably why the management you see in those organisations is so bad. Anyway, that's all I've got to say this week. 
Thanks very much for listening, and uh, I'll do another one before too long, probably be on a totally different subject, it might even be with somebody else. So thanks a lot, and uh, see you next time.